Well, good morning, everybody. Again, feels funny saying that again after I've been up once already. But um, just to introduce myself, my name's Caleb, uh, one of the elders here at Gateway, for those who uh, don't know me. And um, just before we kind of get cracking today, I um, want to say a huge thank you to you all for uh, all the kind of stuff, time, energy, prayer, effort that went into all of our Christmas events this year. Um, we recognize that it takes a lot of people, time, um, and, and kind of everything resource to, to do what we do over Christmas. Whether, so whether you were kind of as a life group doing a hamper, or whether you were peeling sprouts for our Christmas meal, or here pouring gravy onto people's place, or whether you invited people to the carol service, or took part in the orchestra, or uh, whatever it was, you, your involvement over this Christmas, thank you so much. We, uh, we really appreciate all that you give, and uh, hopefully you had a, a kind of Sunday off last Sunday. We, we always have that break just between Christmas and New Year, just in recognition that for, for many of you, this is a, a kind of it's a marathon, not a sprint, isn't it? We're kind of giving, giving, giving because we believe God has called us to and because we love the church. But we hope you had a good break last week. But thank you so much. Just one little story about what happened. Kind of in the carol service, John Day did a great job, didn't he? Just of kind of preaching our good news message that we have. And somebody came up to him afterwards and just said, I was sitting there the whole time. Uh, through your talk with tears in my eyes, thinking I need to explore uh, more about all of this stuff and what I believe about it. And I thought that's great. I mean, you know, I make people cry in my talks all the time, but for very different reasons. <laughs> Bore you to tears. But, um, but that was a good thing. And so we celebrate that, don't we? And, uh, and our prayer is that, you know, we just see more and more of, of, we've got a good news message to share with lots of people, haven't we? And, uh, and it's good to do that over Christmas, and it's good to continue to do that. I'm going to start off on what might feel like a fairly depressing opening to today, um, but there is some good news coming, don't you worry. Now, there are undoubtedly some good things in this world, aren't there? If I were to ask you to think about some of the good stuff that has happened uh, over the last kind of year, if you're reflecting back, or over your lifetime, or just good stuff that's out there in the world right now, you wouldn't have um, much kind of, you wouldn't have many problems, would you, coming up with a long list of things that are good about this world that we live in. But there is also a recognition that we live in a really broken world, don't we? Um, you know, all you have to do is read the news or walk down your street to, 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 to see what a mess the world is in, to see brokenness everywhere. I want to ask you a question in a moment uh, that is this, what is it that breaks your heart? I want to share first some things that break my heart. <laughs> it's going to be a messy one today. <laughs> I was even crying practicing this this week. Anyway, we'll see if we can get through this. <clears throat> Some of the things that break my heart. When I... <laughs> gosh, it's really going to be hard. <laughs> um, Working here, seeing the people who come into some of the services we provide, living on the estate that we live in, uh, one of the things that breaks my heart is seeing people stuck in a cycle of poverty, people kind of generation after generation living in a, a, a chaos life that, that is so broken and they don't know anything else or anything better, and it feels like they're stuck one generation after another, kids and young people growing up in families where 
They, they have no aspirations for anything other than what they experience. That breaks my heart when I see that brokenness. Another thing that breaks my heart is children and young people and the pressure that they are under today. The, the pressure that kind of the world piles on them, that they encounter every time they open their phones on social media, messages about you need this or your life needs to look like this. The pressure that that, that that kind of brings and the toll that that takes on young people and children in terms of their mental health, in terms of their well-being, in terms of their outlook on life, that absolutely breaks my heart. Another thing that breaks my heart is when I <laughs> come across people who are just so blatantly lost, people who, who, who don't have a kind of a, an end destination in mind, in their lives or in eternity, and yet they've rejected God and they have no idea that what he has for them is good and it's good news. When, when people reject that, when people just say, I'm not even interested to start with, that breaks my heart. What is it that breaks your heart? What is it that you see? What, what elements of brokenness in this world just impact your soul, just get you right here. I know for some of you, it's the fact that there are way too many kids in the care system who need a loving home where someone will just love them unconditionally. I know for some of you, it's that you have colleagues who you turn up to work with week after week, and they just have no hope in their lives. I know for some of you, it's the fact that there are way too many people drowning in debt, who cannot just kind of get out of it, won't open the curtains, won't open their letters in case it's another nasty letter saying that the bailiffs are going to be coming round. I know for some of you, it's some of the bigger picture things like the huge gulf between rich and poor, whether it's in our nation here or whether it's on a worldwide scale. I know for some of you, it's about the, the people who are marginalized by our society, whose voices are not heard. I know for some of you, it's about the fact that our kids, it feels harder and harder to protect them from the stuff on the internet that we know is really, really bad for them, and yet we can't even control what they are taking in and seeing with their eyes. I know for some of you, it's the fact that we live in probably the biggest crisis of mental health our nation has ever known. I know that a bunch of this stuff breaks your hearts because you talk about it and because you're doing something about it. And let's be honest, there are elements of that brokenness that touches our own lives. We've not got our lives all together, have we? We, we see this brokenness in the world around us, but we also, it's part of our story of broken people who God has done some good stuff in. We live in a really messed up and broken world, don't we? But you know what? <laughs> there is one thing that gives me hope in this broken world. There is one thing that, that gets me out of bed on a morning and, and says, yes, we can do something about that. And it's this. It's that God's heart breaks way more than mine for these broken people. Amen? God's heart breaks far more than I could ever feel for these situations, for these families, for these big kind of crises and, and, and national issues that, that I feel helpless about. God's heart breaks for them, and he has some good news to speak into that brokenness. Yes, throughout the Bible, I could, you know, we could spend weeks and weeks going through the Bible, 
looking at how God's heart breaks for broken people, about how his heart throughout the Bible is for the last, the least, and the lost. Time and time again, we read it in Scripture that that's who God's heart is for, whether it's from the opening pages of the Bible where the first murder takes place and God says that uh, this guy's blood cries out to him from the ground, or whether it's God commanding his people to care for the widow, the alien, or the orphan, whatever that kind of looks like in Scripture, God's heart always is for broken people. God's, God's heart, his love for the lost comes through. His anger at injustice comes through. His compassion for the brokenness comes through all the way through Scripture. Whatever pain or brokenness or lostness that you observe in the world, whatever breaks your heart, whatever speaks to you and, and kind of gets you right here, God's all about that brokenness and he wants to do something about it. He's, he's got some good news. He's already done something about it. He has a solution for the brokenness that is in our world that is all too prevalent and that marks our lives and the lives of other people. He has a solution. And his solution is King Jesus. This Jesus who came as a baby, who we've been celebrating over the last few weeks and continue to celebrate. This baby was God's gift to the world to heal this world of its brokenness. Jesus grew up and he himself, you know, one of the things we touch on in Alpha that, that kind of comes across in the talks is that Jesus most um, kind of well-regarded spiritual leaders or teachers will point somewhere else. They will point to, to somebody else, either a greater God or a greater force. Jesus points to himself, <laughs> doesn't he? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He, he sets himself up as the king of the Jews, as the, 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 the long-awaited Messiah who, who God had kind of, the, through the prophets, had said would be on his way to rescue and redeem and heal this brokenness. And this King Jesus, he has a manifesto. I don't know if you know that. Uh, we've had an election recently. I know most of us have, have probably tried to kind of rid our memories of that, just the trauma that it seemed to be of going through yet another election. But, um, but every political party, or most of them anyway, had a manifesto, didn't they? They said, if we get in power, this is what we're going to do. This is how we will transform your lives. Jesus had a manifesto. You can read it. We're going to read it together. It's in Luke chapter 4. We, uh, we start at verse 16. Jesus, this is right at the start of his public ministry. This is the, these are the first recorded words in Luke that we hear Jesus kind of in a public setting preaching. And it, it describes it like this, as when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. Jesus had a choice here. He was given the scroll of Isaiah, but this is where he chose to read from. He said this, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll. He handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. 
The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. In other words, this is me. That's my manifesto. That's what I am here to do. This is what God's, you know, Jesus as king, his kingdom will look like this. It will look like good news to the poor. There is a a message of salvation and good news for people. It looks like release from captives, chains being broken, people who are bound having their chains released. It looks like blind people seeing. Yes, figuratively, our, our, our blindness being lifted and us seeing God for who he is, but also physically blind people seeing the, the, the miraculous that Jesus brought about, healing, miracles, all kinds of things, the oppressed being set free. Jesus, what the heart of his message was one of freedom. That's what he wanted to bring to people. And then this one, the year of the Lord's favor, it is written in a, a lot of translations. This, without getting into it in too much detail, is often seen as a reference back to Jubilee, which was something that God asked his people um, to kind of, was enshrined in their law that he gave them, where, where people who had, who had sold their property to pay their debts and to put food on their table every 50 or 49 or 50 years, um, this was given back to them. If they had sold themselves into slavery to pay off debts, they would be released in that 50th year. Jesus says, this is me and what I'm all about. Debts being forgiven, people being set free, those who are slaves being free and having their freedom won again. This was Jesus's mission to a broken and hurting world. This is what he gave his life for. This is what he gave his life up for, ultimately, as well. This is what he talked about. This is what he demonstrated. This is what he proclaimed. This is who Jesus was and what his mission was. And in three short years, Jesus started the greatest revolution that the world has ever seen. And at the end of it, he did the craziest thing that any God should do. And he said, over to you. Isn't that an incredible thing? That, that God who, you know, he walked this earth for three years and then it's like, right, over to you. Off you go. How about that? As a church, um, when people come into this church, kind of start coming along, one of the questions that people ask is, well, why are we called Gateway Church? Like people are looking for a physical kind of gateway around the place. What are we, what are we called? Why are we called Gateway Church? Well, over the next few weeks, uh, we want to take... Um, some time just to talk about what we call our distinctives. These are the thing, we've got seven words with a phrase each. Just about, we kind of went through an exercise a, a few months back with, with a lot of our leaders, just down, trying to distill down, like, who, what makes Gateway Gateway? What is it about us that kind of makes us who we are? And so we're going to take a week to look at each of those words. If you've done Connect in the past year or so, you will be familiar with these words, but, um, but they might be new to some of you, particularly those who've been around for quite some time. And, um, and so we're going to take some time to do this. I don't know if you, you've kind of clocked this, those of you who've been some of the veterans in the church, but this May we celebrate 20 years since we became Gateway Church. Um, I know I've just immediately made a whole lot of you feel very old, um, but that was 20 years ago. Um, 20 years ago, we went through a process where we became Gateway Church. And the name Gateway Church comes out of a story uh, written um, four fa- about 4,000 years ago, or certainly something that happened 4,000 years ago. This guy called Jacob is on the run. He's actually on the run from his brother because, well, he's been, um, I don't know how to put it politely, he's been a, a, a bit of a little plonker. 
towards his brother. That's maybe the polite way of saying it. It is fairly understandable that Esau is after him at this point. But Jacob um, is on the run. And, and while he's on the run, we read this happening. We're going to start in verse... This is Genesis 28. We're going to start at verse um, 17, maybe. Is that right? Um, I'm totally lost. No, we're not. We're going to start there. Um, Verse 10, sorry. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled towards Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. I'll be honest, I would look for something more comfortable. But anyway, a stone seemed to do him just fine. Maybe this is why he had crazy dreams. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. That word there, gateway, that's where we find part of our identity as a church. Our heart is that um, people's eyes will be open to God and they will say, surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't even aware of it. They will say how awesome this place is. Surely it is the house of God, the very gateway of heaven. Jacob here, 2,000 years before Jesus, sees something that he he probably can't even quite comprehend. He has this dream where there is a a ladder, a stairway reaching from earth to heaven, and there are angels ascending and descending. What he gets a glimpse of is something that will come in the future, where there is a a kind of coming together, a joining of heaven and earth, earth, the realities of heaven and earth, so or the realms of heaven and earth, a joining of the brokenness of earth and the perfection of heaven, where God's will is done uh, every single moment of every single day. He sees a, a joining, a coming together of those two places. What we read in John 1, uh, chapter 51, is Jesus himself. Uh, he says this, just kind of incidentally, in a, in a conversation with somebody, he, it says this, Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will all, all see heaven open, and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Jesus didn't even need Led Zeppelin to know about the stairway to heaven. He, he was a good Jew. He knew his Old Testament. And he makes the claim. He says, me, the Son of Man is a term Jesus used to refer to himself. He says, that's me. The angels ascending and descending. He's making a claim to be that ladder, that stair, stairway between heaven and earth. Jesus 
is now the gateway that Jacob had dreamed about 2,000 years before. Jesus is the gateway by which God's kingdom, his, his kingdom of heaven, the, the kind of rule and reign of God where, where it's perfect and everything good happens. He's the gateway by which that now comes to earth, by which that now comes and becomes a reality amongst the brokenness of this world and this earth. This is who Jesus sets himself up as, the fulfillment of this dream. And then Jesus says over to you, doesn't he? Like we've talked about, he, he commissions the church to carry on his mission of being a gateway between heaven and earth. So we are a gateway. You are a gateway between heaven and earth. In this broken world that so needs good news and needs the goodness of heaven, you are a gateway. So we've started using this phrase when we do connect to try and describe. There are no perfect words to kind of capture who we are as a church, but this is about as good as I think we get at the moment. And the big idea is this. This is who we are as a church. We are a people who demonstrate and proclaim the good news of God's kingdom. That's who we are. We're a people who demonstrate and proclaim the good news of God's kingdom. We are gateways between heaven and earth. We are seeing God's kingdom come. And, and that's good news for anyone who encounters us, right? We have, we are carriers of this good news. And what does it look like? Well, it looks like being a people, being a group of people together, a community, a family. And it looks like us proclaiming and demonstrating that good news to the broken world around us. That's who we are as a church. It, it's nothing kind of unique. We're not laying claim to being the only gateway for God's kingdom on this world. It's actually quite a broad and wide vision as a church. And I've, I've encountered all kinds of churches over the years and, and kind of heard from various different leaders. And there are some churches that have a really narrow vision. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, they do things really well and it looks really simple and attractive. So I've come across churches that say, we do youth work and we only do youth work. That's all we're going to do. So all of our resources, all of your prayers and time and money and energy is going to go towards reaching young people. And they do that really well. I know other churches where they say, we are going to, everything we do is about reaching people who, who don't normally go to church, unchurched people. And so they revolve everything around that as their mission. And, uh, and they don't even do any like, you know, kind of social justice. They raise money and give it to other charities to kind of do that stuff. And they just say, we're going to go after people who are unchurched. And they do that incredibly successfully. But that's not us. That's not who God has called us to be. God has called us to be a gateway for God's kingdom. It is broad and it is wide, but it makes room for all kinds of people with all kinds of dreams in their heart, right? It makes room for, for people like you who are passionate about this, or people like somebody else sitting next to you who's passionate about this and wants to see God's kingdom come in on this earth. We want to be obedient to God always in what he leads us into and what that looks like, but, but the parameters are wide because God's kingdom is broad and it is wide. God's, God's kingdom coming to earth is his mission and it's our mission too. So we see this, this kind of us being a gateway for God's kingdom outwork in a couple of different ways really. One of them is that collectively together there are a bunch of things that we gather together to do. Usually it involves God stirring someone's heart about a, a, a kind of some element of brokenness in this world. 
And, and it will take more than just them to, to kind of see God's kingdom come. And so we say, great, start a ministry around it. Gather some people, get a team. Let's, let's go for this and let's do that. And, and that's why most of the ministries that we do out there reaching this community and trying to see God's kingdom come in the midst of brokenness, that's how most of them have begun. And we always want to be open to God speaking and, and leading us into new areas of ministry. But one of the other ways that this works out in terms of us being a gateway for the kingdom is through you as an individual, through each and every one of you. You are a gateway for God's kingdom. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, you are a gateway for God's kingdom? That wasn't very passionate. Can you say it like you mean it? Come on. Oh, come on, we're going with it. Look that person in the eye again and say it properly like you mean it, not just because I've told you to. <laughs> come on, say it once more for me, as, as sincerely as you can. But genuinely, you are a gateway for God's kingdom. You know, even though you might kind of think, oh, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just a teacher or I'm just an accountant or a stay-at-home mom. No, you're a gateway for God's kingdom. And I think if we can capture that, we will see more of God's kingdom come on this earth. We will see some of this brokenness we've talked about healed and restored if we can see ourselves as gateways for God's kingdom. I know that so many of you already do God sees you. I see you. I see you choosing counseling as a career because you've just been struck by how broken people are. I see you training to foster kids because your heart breaks for those who don't have a loving family of their own. I see you visiting your neighbors who are elderly and isolated and who, who otherwise would be on their own. I see you being that go-to person in the office who, who, who kind of becomes the person people come to because they know that you genuinely care about them and you listen to them. I see you being brave and going out and praying for the sick when you come across somebody. I see you choosing teaching as a career because you believe that kids deserve a really good education and that can lift them out of brokenness and poverty. I see you raising kids in, in the good news, in the faith, because you know that ultimately that will set them on a good path for life. I see you telling friends about Jesus and looking for those opportunities to share the good news that Jesus died and rose again. I see you choosing to run a business that treats people fairly and well. This is all because you're a gateway for God's kingdom. This is what it means. This is what it looks like. It doesn't, it, sometimes it can look spectacular, can't it? Sometimes it looks miraculous, but sometimes it looks like the marathon of turning up at work and being available to people who need a listening ear. Sometimes it looks like being disciplined in the way we parent our children and encourage them in the faith. That doesn't look spectacular, does it? But that is what it means to see God's kingdom come. Wherever God leads and sends us, we want to demonstrate and proclaim the good news of his kingdom. We want to, like, like we read out of Luke 4, we want to be people who bring good news to those who need it. We want to be people who bring healing where there is pain and sickness. 
We want to be people who bring freedom, where people are bound up by things and trapped by things. And we want to see that economic justice happen, where people are treated well, where debts are paid off, where people who are slave to things are set free. This is what it means, and this is what it looks like for us to be a gateway for God's kingdom. That's our vision. That's who we are as a church. So we, as a collective body of people, always want to be encouraging and equipping one another to live out this kingdom life. That's what we've been doing for the last 20 years and way before, before we were even ever Gateway Church. And that's what we'll continue to to do into the future. So long as God kind of calls us to be here and be this church in this community, we will continue to equip and encourage one another to live out the good news of his kingdom, to proclaim and demonstrate it to others. So what about the next 20 years? What has God got in store? It's been an adventure, hasn't it, the last 20 years? Those of you who've been around, it's always an adventure. It always involves stepping out when God calls and says something to us. It always involves stretching for things when God speaks to us. My heart for us, even maybe even just in this coming year, is that we would be growing in confidence as individuals, as as you sitting there in your maroony colored seat or whatever color they actually are today seeing yourself as a gateway for God's kingdom in in wherever it is that you've been called to wherever it is he has led you my heart is that you would grow in greater confidence that every single one of us would confidently know that that we're gateways for his kingdom to come into this broken world that so needs the reality of heaven to invade and to transform and redeem. So I I want us to be confident and to grow in confidence in that. But then maybe collectively, together as a church, where we can't just do kind of one thing on our own as an individual, we want to be really open to God speaking and leading us. We we believe that, that God is kind of, has just been starting to say some things already about what that might look like. We believe that God has some kind of adventure in store for us that may mean us making some kind of decisions that lead us into risk and adventure and might even cause some discomfort at times. We believe that that's what God is saying, but we want to hear from him clearly. We want to be led by him into what is it, what is it you're wanting us to stretch for, God? What is it that you're wanting us to, to kind of do that we'll see more of your kingdom come on this earth, that we'll, we'll see that happen in new ways as we come together and work together. So I would be encouraging you, just as we kind of, you know, we're right at the start here, aren't we, of 2020. I would be encouraging all of us to be praying, to be giving ourselves to God completely, and to be praying for these two things. Firstly, to be praying, God, would you show me how I can be a a wider gateway for God's kingdom to come? How can I, in wherever you find yourself, whether it's work or family life or, or the stage of life you're at, to be praying, God, how, how, are you, how can I be a wider gateway for your kingdom to come? What does that look like? And then secondly, to be praying for us collectively as a church family and asking God, God, how can we be a, an ever-widening gateway for the kingdom? How can we grow and see more of your kingdom come into our community and our region? God is beginning to speak, and I believe he is going to speak some more to us as a church, but through people like you. He's going to use you to to just shape and guide us into this next season. So I'm full of faith about all God wants to do. And and 
Genuinely, there are a lot of people in this room, and you might think, you know what, I'm just on my own, off kind of doing my little thing, being a, trying to be a gateway for God's kingdom in my school or my university or my workplace or in my neighborhood. You might think, oh, there's not a lot I can do, but, but there's a lot of people in this room, and that collective being a gateway for God's kingdom can make a significant difference to this city, to this area, to this community. And so my prayer is that in, you know, we, we pray it about as regularly as any other prayer, don't we? That God, God, your kingdom come, your will be done here as it is in heaven. That's our prayer. That's who we want to be as a church, isn't it? Amen.